Welcome to the Phase World Podcast. Engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. The peace of mind, I think, is how you talk to yourself. You treasure the moment when you're holding your baby. You start to try really forcing yourself, not even really for yourself, it's for your child. Everything is because of them now. I was so frustrated, I didn't know what to do. I mean, it's kind of, in a way, good to hear from other moms. It's like, oh, okay, so the way I'm feeling is normal. I started to feel a little bit better, to learn how to accept life, because it is a huge change to be a mom. Who I am is because of what you had said during those years. of this generation of children is that how do we make sure that our children is not going to feel like they have this sense of entitlement. They should have gotten it without working hard. Hi, everybody. This is Fei Wu, your host for the Face World podcast. Today, I have Helen Chan on Face World. Helen is the founder and principal broker of Hayden Group, Inc., a real estate investment company located in the Bay Area. She was born and raised in Hong Kong. At a very young age, she experienced just how difficult life can be. She has gone through numerous financial hardships as a child, recalling days from left home alone while her parents worked in another country. Helen quit school to help her parents' restaurant but she had to make a very difficult decision at the age of 18 to move to the United States on her own despite her parents' objection. As a result, she had to save every penny and graduated with a degree in economics from the University of California, Los Angeles. What intrigued me the most about Helen's story is that she was raising three young children while running her own business. I have to know, and many of my friends who are young mothers all have similar struggles and questions, is that as a woman, balancing career, relationship, motherhood are household terms, but really, how does one actually do it and do it well? Without any children in sight yet, I find myself listening to the Dear Sugar podcast, where Cheryl Strayed and Steve Almond read numerous letters from listeners asking the same question. The conclusion makes sense. To many mothers trying to do everything and do everything perfectly, that's just not possible or reasonable for any human being. But still, I thought inviting Helen to Face World will give mothers out there an opportunity to hear, to connect with the source. I sensed a deep kinship while hearing Helen's voice, her story, her excitement, hesitation, struggle, and, and realization. Though her children are still very young, all under the age of 10, she has become the resource among her network of women. Why did she choose to do this? Because someone or a group of other women were there for her first, too. She decided to pay forward. In fact, Helen is the one who volunteered to answer the difficult questions on FaceWorld, such as, postpartum depression due to the struggle of, of being a mom and a career woman. How has Helen balanced between career and motherhood? And how does Helen find free time or peace of mind for herself? Self-confidence to be in the professional world as a pregnant woman and as a mother who has limited time and energy compared to others and how many others will see you because of these limitations. If you enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate that you consider sharing it. Without further ado, please welcome Helen Chong to the Face World Podcast. So 
Helen Chung, uh, welcome to the Phase World Podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, I want to first thank Chris Yen for introducing us uh, via email. And to be honest, I am personally not in real estate. I don't really know much about the industry. But after our brief conversation, I was so pumped because... You were touching upon so many things that I would love to learn more about. And I know I'm not the only woman uh, saying that, you know, you're, you're a successful broker. You've been running your own business for an extended period of time. And during that time, you had three lovely children yes. and uh, you're a super mom. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I'm a super mom. I think I'm like a, a mom trying to do all that things. And a lot of, I know a lot of mothers out there are uh, struggling with the same thing that I'm struggling with as well. Yeah. So tell us what you do and what are some of your current struggles are? Sure. So I'm a real estate broker. I own my own uh, real estate brokerage um, company and it's called Halen Group in the Silicon Valley, California. Actually, um, so about four years ago, well, I started my business in Southern California. Four years ago, I moved up to the Bay Area, um, specifically in the Silicon Valley area. Um, so I had to start my business all over again, um, obviously including operation, uh, marketing, sales, administration, pretty much, you know, um, just like any other entrepreneur um, of a small business, you have to wear many different hats at the same time. Uh, when I moved up here, I had to start this business all over again because I have to build my clientele again while I was pregnant with my second child at the time. So it was definitely really hard because uh, we have no families around. Um, we obviously have very limited number of friends here. I was in, in a way fortunate enough that I had two um, childhood friends. They lived up here already. So that, that was a little bit of a comfort. It's not like going from um, a place to, to, to a new place where I knew nobody at all. So, but definitely it was pretty hard um, because, you know, I don't know this area and real estate is all about knowing the area, right? And it was quite a um, stressful time for me. Yeah, definitely. And you've, you've come a very long way because the first thing I sense speaking with you is that you're very, you're very confident and you're very eager to share your story, which I feel like having birth, having children is such a natural process for, you know, most women. And mm -hmm. while you want to have children and a career, and this is something I've been thinking about and discussing with my girlfriends consistently for the past 10 years. And I feel like there's still so much that I, I don't know. So I guess what are some of the most common questions that come up for, you know, career women like yourself with three kids from other people? <laughs> you know, um, it's funny because really I hear that a lot. It's almost like it just left and right. Whenever um, who was a mom come up and I meet them or see them after a long time, they'll be like, how do you it's always that question how do you do it with three kids and you know sometimes it I I don't even know how to answer it I just say you just do it you know it's not like there's a, a special formula and it's not something that I had figured out before I decided to have three kids it's kind of one of those things where hey, you know, it happened and now you need to learn how to go around it and figure things out and kids schedule changes all the time as much as you try to train them they never follow your schedule you're trying to follow their schedule and then once you've thought you figure it out they change their schedule or change their behavior again and then you have to learn it all over again so it's not like how do you do it it's just i'm just like you just do it i, I used to tell some of my friends it's like hey you know when we were single, we used to think that we we're so busy. You know, we always tell people, oh, we are so busy. I have so much to do. And then once we're married, we're like, oh, my, my gosh, we we're so busy to take care of the house, da, 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 work. And then you have one kid. You say like, oh, my God, how do people have two kids? <laughs> then you have two kids. You're like, man, one kid was easy. How do people have three kids? You know, you just <laughs> do it. <laughs> You just go with the flow. So I, I think I have a feeling doing what you do, and you might not realize that before this call, um, but I must ask, do you have some of the tips and tricks, things that you've exercised that worked uh, for you before? You know, how do you find free time and that peace of mind for yourself, basically? Um, 
you know, for a while, uh, because life, I mean, I'm not even going to, it's great to have kids. I mean, honestly, it's great to have kids. Kids are my life now. Um, as hard as it was, you know, I, I remember after I gave birth to my oldest, I was like, oh my God, I just want to rewind my life back to just, you know, have my own life where I can just go out on my own without having to worry about like, let me pack all this stuff and then the milk and the diaper and then the baby with the car seat. It was just so much, so such a huge change. The peace of mind, I think it's, it, there's no slow time in your life, but it's, how you talk to yourself. Um, you treasure the moment when you're holding your baby or right before you go to sleep or when you're showering. That showering is probably the most private time that you, you're going to have once you have the baby. <laughs> I think that's the time when you start like thinking about all these things. Probably you'll be crying at that time to let it all out. Or um, sometimes um, that's the time you think about like all these funny moments you had with your, your kids. Um, and then the other time that I actually find peace was uh, when I would, I, I didn't really have a lot of opportunity to go to church because, you know, when they're babies, it's really hard to schedule that. And then as they grow older, they're always being loud, right, at church. But I really enjoy going to church whenever I'm there. I feel like that's the time when I'm, I can find peace. I would tell the kids, like, hey, this is time to kneel down and pray. Even though I only get like 30 seconds, I kneel down and I just like, oh my God, I would get into it and I just talk about like how, what I'm grateful for. Um, thank you for making me so, so much stronger by having this kind of experience. It's funny for me to hear this and I know there are a lot of hardships they're going through. So funny maybe isn't the most sensitive adjective to use, but you know, especially as uh, Asian American, a- Asian woman living in this country and, and sometimes even more pressure outside of this country, somewhere in Asia, that now we're asked to do everything, going to the best schools and, and undergraduate degrees are no longer somehow uh, sufficient to satisfy your parents. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, many women unfortunately find themselves in their mid twenties and thinking about getting married and have kids and have to rush through everything. Um, And most women have children when they're much older than even just we're looking at moms from 10 to 20 years ago. So how do you even find a cohesive story, you know, to think that, you know, I'm doing all the right things and finally I'm married and have kids. It it sounds like not to anybody's surprise, it's it is very challenging to raise children. Like, I guess we haven't really had a moment to, to kind of think about it more cohesively what what is it like mm. to shift well you know um was it like to shift it's I always tell people people always say, oh when I'm ready you know when this and that is ready then I'll have kids I, I always tell you tell people I say like, you will never be ready trust me <laughs> nobody will ever be ready to have kids <laughs> who is gonna say I'm so ready to have no more freedom in my life <laughs> And I was like, I mean, if you want um, to have family in the future, then just tell yourself, I got to have kids by this age or something, you know, but you will never be ready. As you get older, it does get harder. And it's true when, you know, the parents always tell you like, oh, you know, don't wait too long. You, It's just going to get harder. I would say it is true. Because as you get older, you enjoy your freedom so much more longer. It is really <laughs> hard to let that go. <laughs> really? Is it true, though? Yeah. <laughs> when you get older, you want more freedom? Yeah, because you enjoy so much. I mean, I I, I was thinking um, to myself, like, wow, you know, if I had given kids, I, if I had given birth, let's say, you know, right after college, I've never really had, had fun before, you know, experienced that freedom. <laughs> I probably wouldn't even know what I'm missing out on, right? But now that, you know, somebody who, let's say, wait till they're 40, they have enjoyed like 20 years of freedom, make their own money, they go out, have fun, and also it's like, what? I have to give up all of that to this baby? You, I think you, you uh, nailed it. And uh, oh, I'm serious because, you know, I've always known that when I was younger, even thinking that I will be married and have kids in my 30s. And I don't think my mom particularly liked that at all. But, you know, she has been ready for a very long time. But 
for me, it was a different reason because financially, spiritually, I want to be independent. I've witnessed a lot of things and I'm not naive in that sense to say, you know, if something happens to the family, I really, I really need to be able to kind of carry this through. And, but then now you mentioned this, I realize you're absolutely right. You know, when you're 22, you made no money. And then now you, you're, way more confident into your early to mid thirties and you are exposed to so many more people and ideas mm. and places to live and to travel to. And my world has changed completely. You're <laughs> absolutely right. I didn't realize this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the money so, you've made, you know, right? Like the back then in your twenties, you had the freedom, but you had no money to go anywhere. Now I actually have the money and I'm thinking every day is like, how do I, you know, and I just spend it, it on myself. Up. Yeah, how do I live it up? You know, now is the time. <laughs> this is so funny. Unexpected answer. I really appreciate it. So, living in Silicon Valley, which I didn't even work out because that is the place of all these things happening. Known to many people who don't live in Silicon Valley is the, the tech world, but I'm sure there's everything else. There's fashion, there's medicine and all that. So everybody around you are, like you said, doing all kinds of crazy creative things. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've found help. Do you have babysitter, multiple of them, or are there resources uh, out there supporting a lifestyle that you're able to maintain? Well, um, so kind of like go back to, I actually moved up here from LA and uh, after we moved to Silicon Valley, we it, it obviously is not as colorful as LA, right? In Los Angeles, it was just so much more entertainment. Silicon Valley, there are a lot of very, very smart people here, very successful. There are a lot of money, but it's a great area to have families as well. There's less traffic, relatively speaking, compared to Los Angeles. But one big problem for us is that we moved up here. We have no families around. We cannot say, hey, you know, I'm busy. Can I drop off my kids with you, with mom and dad? And can you guys, you know, wash them for a few hours? We just didn't have that kind of luxury. So when I first moved up here, trying to sell everything down, looking for houses, um, looking or looking for a place to live in. I was pregnant with my second one, looking with my, at the time, my oldest, he was one and a half, not even one and a half year old yet. He was like 14 months old. So it was really tough. But I think what made a difference was that, you know, you start to try really forcing yourself, not even really for yourself, it's for your child. You know, you just force yourself to take him to go to some um, social events like the mommy groups or uh, some play dates with people you don't even know. But you're doing that is literally just for your child, just so that your child can have a play date. Uh, if I'm by myself, I wouldn't just walk up to another person and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? And can we talk, you know? But with the child, you just go up to another mom and then say, oh, hi, you know, they start the conversation about, you know, each other's children. And uh, I think that was uh, the most important support at the time because we didn't have family. But if we had families around, I'm sure our families would be a big support for us. Uh, So the transition as a mother and in a new place, that was my support is to try to make new friends. I think you just got to get out of your comfort zone and go meet people so that you can get some support. I remember I was I was so stressed out. I was so stressed being up here with no friends and my husband was like out of town all the time and I had to be taking care of my 1-year-old pregnant and I was trying to set up my business from scratch oh, here. <laughs> So I would cry and I started doing research online, looking for other moms who were in the same position. And I couldn't, I really couldn't find any. It's like really hard. No. And, and then I started looking through my Facebook friends and I saw this uh, mom, she had three kids and her husband always like out of town as well. So I messaged her. I don't even know her very well, but I messaged her out of desperation. I was like, can you tell me how do you do it? You know, <laughs> how do you feel happy? Your pictures look so happy. And then she tells me the same thing. She was like, you know, we post the happiest pictures on Facebook, but there are a lot of struggles <laughs> on the back end. That's and very smart of you. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's kind of in a way good to hear from other moms. It's like, oh, okay. So the way I'm feeling is normal. 
I was so frustrated. I didn't know what to do. I was just like, please, I just want to see somebody, like a psychologist or something to make me feel happy, at, like where I am right now. I, I'm not happy at the time. Um, but hearing from other moms, um, knowing that they are also struggling, they listen to you, you, you vent to them. It's like, it takes a lot of pressure off of my shoulders. I think that's, that's kind of like a point where I started to feel a little bit better to learn how to accept life because it is a huge change to be a mom um, from, uh, from being single to become a mother of one and then from mother of one to become a mother of two multiple children is another level of difficulty right there. an opportunity there too that if a meetup group or such or Facebook group doesn't already exist I think women should really come out and reunite and actually think about doing something fun whether it's like brunch or our dinner or living close by to be able to offer each other support is really is really important um, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they actually have a lot of those groups and um, you know I remember before uh, I gave birth to my oldest. I was still pregnant and people talk about those mommy groups. I just kind of rolled my eyes like, oh, so cheesy mommy groups, gosh. You know, I would never join those things. <laughs> and after I gave birth, I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to share my stories. I need to hear from other moms. How do you do it? What do I do if my child is like this and that? And we formed a really... A strong connection and that was like in LA and then after I moved up here I was trying to look for like similar groups mm-hmm. and I was able to find a few people you know um, but another problem was that because I also worked and I really tried to join these mommy groups well a lot of these moms they are full-time moms and I I could not come out as often as they are holding their get together so every time I go I just feel like okay I have to start all over again to get to know people right and as much as I I'm kind of outgoing but I feel really awkward really every time I go to a networking event it's really hard for me I always feel like I don't know how to start a conversation I'm more of that one-on-one type of person like you know, uh, I just want to get to know you intimately. I'm not very good in a big group of people. It's like, I don't know where to stand, who to talk to. So that is one thing that I felt a little bit sad in a way, because whenever I go to these mommies group, they all know each other. And it's like, and then they see me come. I was like, oh, you don't come out that often, huh? You know? Yeah, very, <laughs> very clicky. Almost like when you, you know, same thing was you working in marketing, uh, advertising, any company really, like people kind of already formed their little groups, you know, three to five people that hang out all the time. And it's hard to to break in. And I must say, I'm not sure if you lived on the Northeast, you know, Boston, New York uh, before, or have you always been living in California? You're always in California. So I noticed something. I love traveling to California. I've been consistently almost at least once every two years or so. And I noticed something very intriguing is uh, maybe consider moving out to Boston (laughs) is the misconception of that people from New England are cold as a not very welcoming. And on the surface, that's true. But deep down, once you break into a group or you you start authentic conversation and or you make plans and, and people are very much on time and Mm-hmm. kind of follow through that way. Whereas I love California, the sun, the beautiful people. But I notice when I'm over there, when I try to make plan, we're trying to, you know, the people <laughs> I meet trying to stay in touch with them. It's not always consistent. It's like when you're there, you're there. And I guess people from California will really hate this podcast. But once you break <laughs> away from it, they're sort of done, you know? Um, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on people. And I, I actually think that California people are very laid back. And um, in L.A., very, very laid back, right? And then in Silicon Valley, although it's not as colorful, like I said, as in L.A., but people here, they are... 
actually a lot more always thinking about like, okay, how am I going to improve myself? They always think about it professionally. I mean, I know a lot of mommy friends, a lot of them do decide to become stay-at-home mom, which is something that I wish I have the heart and the energy to do. I feel like stay-at-home mom is so hard to do. I've done it and I went into almost like a depression. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and But that, that's, I think, is everybody's calling, right? It, mine is like kind of in my blood. My family's always an entrepreneurs. Um, my mom, I now I realize that I'm exactly like my mom. Never, I can never stop. I can't. I have to like constantly going. I have to do something. I always have ideas in my head. I have to do something. So I can't just like, okay, as much as I thought I wanted to do it, when the time comes, I just realize I can't just stay home and watch watch my child, even though I love him to death, but I can I cannot just stay home 24 hours a day and be a full-time mom. So that's my calling in terms of like, you know, I have to work. I think you're certainly not alone in that because I've reached uh, an age where several of my friends, you know, some of them actually have had more than one child. Some of them are pregnant currently, don't know what they have signed up for as uh, <laughs> Turns out pregnancy is the easiest period before the child is born. And and um, I want to talk about a topic, which is uh, postpartum uh, depression. It's a mm-hmm. kind of a dark uh, topic in a way that I personally didn't realize how involved, you know, the condition is. I had originally thought it's almost like, I don't want to use food poisoning, but something is like having the flu and you just get over it very quickly. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was such an extended period of time. Sometimes some women almost never come out of it. So could you tell us a little bit more about what you know or your experience or helping women to kind of understand a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, so so like I mentioned earlier about me feeling really depressed um, after moved up here, I think that's part of the postpartum. I, I think aside from they said like if it's the hormonal changes, it's also because of the lifestyle change. I mean, again, it's like, hey, you know, you've enjoyed all these years of freedom and all of a sudden you, you're kind of being jailed pretty much. Not only from the baby, your body too, it's nothing that you can control. For example, as a mother, you need to breastfeed, right? And your body produces milk and you have no idea how painful that can be for your breasts. It's really painful as if like, I didn't even know how to explain to my husband. And then all I can tell is like, just imagine you need to use the bathroom and you cannot go. <laughs> and wow. you need something else to help you get get it out of your body. Um, uh, I didn't realize and, that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's painful. And, so ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we nobody knew. I didn't even know either. And I mean, so so besides the freedom, besides you realize that you have to get up every two hours, your lack of sleep, and then your body change, your body shape change, obviously, and then and then all of a sudden your body is producing all this milk that you have to get it out every two hours, three hours, or four hours or so all day, and then you can't just do it in public because people would be mad at you if you <laughs> pump uh, in public or. Or you have to, if you want to breastfeed, you make sure you all cover up, um, you know, ideally cover up so people don't look at you. There's just a lot. I think those are really the main factors that cause people to have postpartum depression. That's why I was saying that once I learned how to accept it, and that's when I finally got out of it. I couldn't accept it. I kept thinking to myself, why? Why do women have to go through all these, you know? Um, what do we do wrong? You know, I kind of like go back. It's like, oh, it's like, damn it, Eve, why did you eat that apple? Oh, you know? no. <laughs> I was like, now we are all being punished for, for you know, for, for the rest of the women out there. And, and oh, I talked to another mom as well, and she had um, four children. She does not work, and her husband works full-time, and she's always home taking care of all the children. I was like, how do you feel? Because, you know, we all went to college, and I remember she was very uh, ambitious as well. She was always looking into investments, and now she's staying at home mom. And I asked her, I was like, do you feel uh, being... It's like life is unfair that you now have to stay home while your husband's going out to work and and advancing in his career. And she's like, you know, I just accept the fact that, you know, this is my life now. And I support my husband to go out and work and I take care of my children. 
So, so yeah, I think I think the acceptance is a big part of it. I feel especially sensitive and also concerning when I see my friends and my sister uh, were giving birth. I because I know how hard it is in the beginning. You don't sleep. You realize you have no more freedom and you go into depression. So I always try to make time to talk to them, make sure that, you know, I give them these kind of reality because I was like, I don't want to make you think that, oh, everything's so beautiful. This is the best thing ever happened to my life. As soon as I see the baby, I just fell in love. I'm like, no, that's just... Fairy tale. Yeah, it's totally fairy tale. I You you give birth and then you see this baby and say, huh? Who's this? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? Is, what is this? How come? I thought baby was supposed to be cute. How come his? I'm like, my baby came up. His nose like crooked. His ears like all weird. And I'm just like, oh my god! I thought baby was supposed to be cute. <laughs> I heard. I heard that they're basically like a, a, almost like a jello. Like everything's so soft. And my one of my coworkers describing his son was born and is like that was their first born and you look at his leg it's like oh my god it's all twisted what's going yeah. on and it's like oh it's all normal but nobody yeah. talks about these things <laughs> no people always talk about like how you, as you see your baby you will fall in love i'm like oh my god i didn't feel that way i must be a very bad mother and then everything that you do everything that the baby does it's all because of you, you're the mother. Oh, how come the baby's crying? Oh, because your milk. Your milk is probably not good. All oh, because what you ate is all because of you, your fault. <laughs> oh, man. You know, this reminds me, if you haven't listened to this, I'm, I must send it to you. I recently listened to one of my favorite podcasts called Dear Sugar. Because Mother's Day was just a couple of months ago, they released this episode. And one statement I never forgot is, why is this world asking so much from mothers? And because then mothers kind of take that upon themselves is trying to do everything and trying to do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And totally. that was the issue. Yes. I, I, I absolutely agree. I actually recently watched the video and I, I pretty much was crying with my sister because my sister just gave birth as well. And uh, it was about the mommy groups. They're all talking about how hard it was about you know, breastfeeding and pumping and all that stuff. And then this mom who's pregnant asked if it's that hard, why do you guys do it? And uh, and then it went on to like talk about um, the whole experience of this new mom now. And then she is so hard. She has to hide in a closet to pump while at work. And and then let's say you have a meeting and you're over that three hours period of time, your breast all of a sudden is engorged and it's so painful, but you can't do anything. You just have to like continue on with the meeting. I mean, things like that, other people won't know. And then we always like, oh no, breast uh, pumping, I can't let people know, right? We try to hide, we, don't, we want to do it on our own. So people don't know about it. If people know, they might look at us weird. I never <laughs> thought about that before because all the meetings I've been in, you know, especially client meetings, nobody knows when it's going to end. And, mm-hmm. and it's really, and definitely now because of talking to you, I noticed companies with, you know, uh, what do you call like not nursery rooms? Like nursery my, room. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And having more of them, it's important. Sometimes you only see one, but then you have, you know, companies with hundreds of women, like where they can't go anywhere else. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so it is I, a big problem. It's definitely a big problem. to also mention the fact that you know you've chosen the more challenging path and uh, not only that having three children going through these things you, you described kind of uh, vividly you know I must say that you're definitely still sounding very confident and you're very successful at what you do so could you share a little bit more about you know being in basically a leader a founder for your company and in the professional environments you know how do you mm-hmm. balance your career how do you lead a team and the stories uh, around those topics yeah you know when i 
one of my agents, um, she's also a mother. And I always want to make sure that, hey, you know, I know obviously from firsthand that it's not easy to be a mother and working at the same time, especially in real estate. We don't really have a set work schedule. It's kind of like client call you literally 24 hours a day whenever they feel like it. And another problem with the entrepreneur is sometimes like we want to just answer questions as they come and we want to be fast. Uh, they, They always talk about like, oh, being a real estate, you better be fast responding to your clients or you're going to lose them. But I have to constantly reminding myself and our agents that, hey, you know, you have to remember what is the priority here is your child's um, well-being. So let's say during dinner time, it's supposed to be your family time. Please, it's okay. You don't have to answer every single call and check your email. You know, wait until they go to sleep. I my husband and I, we're very strict on that. We're there for dinner every single night, unless we obviously, um, we have, uh, uh, business trips or really have business engagement, but it's very rare. We always try to schedule, schedule all of our social, you know, social events or networking or other, you know, kind of like, um, one-on-one meetings during the day when the kids are at school. And then at night we make sure that we come home and then we'll start working again after they go to sleep. I mean, yeah, it sucks. We probably don't get as much sleep as before, but I think more importantly, I want our kids to know that when you're here, when we're having dinner, this is our time. You know, there are some times that I might have to pick up a call because of a deadline, because of the urgency, but that will be rare. And then when I do that, they will know, they they now know that, oh, our mommy's on the call. We're going to be quiet now because they know it's uh, a rare occurrence. It's not like you know, everyday thing. I, I And I try to set that as an example myself. I want to let my team know, hey, you know, you guys all, even you don't have children, you should have your own personal time and you don't need to pick up my calls every time. But obviously, ideally during the day, we should be on, you know, we need to make use of the few hours that we have during the day to do things that we're supposed to do. But otherwise, I think family time is extremely important. Uh, And I, I mean, again, though, I just want to make it very realistic is that in during that dinner time, it's not, again, all beautiful. It's like we yell at the kids, like, sit down, eat dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but, I mean, but that's our family time. Um, uh, but that's what how we connect with each other. And that's how when we discipline or we share their fun time. But then there's also some really stressful time with the kids in the sense that they misbehave, they don't listen, they cry, they whine and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is the, this is the the truth, you know. Yeah. And uh, you reminded me of a guest I interviewed recently, Glenn Angler, who is uh, the was the president of Digitas for over ten years, and then was the CEO of the company I worked for called Digital Influence Group. And one thing he said that really resonated with me, and which I actually brought uh, surface to the top of the podcast as a soundbite, was the same story he shared that no matter how busy he was, he always made sure that he was home for dinner. Now his two kids are grown. And one of the reasons that as I'm hearing you talking about your experience, I realize one question I haven't asked, I'll be very interested in learning more is your childhood. You mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, you grew up in Hong Kong, your parents, especially your mom, very career driven and really had a very good relationship with you and your sister. And so tell me a little bit more about your upbringing. Yeah. Um, you know, actually that's a great question. And um, so, uh, like you said, my my parents, um, they're both entrepreneurs. They own their own business. And I remember, though, when I grew up, same thing. Every single night, they were there. My mom made dinner, and then we always sit in, uh, on the dining table. And then my dad would always preach, you know, about life, about philosophy. And then we're like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's so boring. Um <laughs> And we actually just, um, I actually just came back from Hong Kong, celebrated my parents' 70th birthday. And I said the same thing. I said, like, you know, dad, I remember when we used to have dinner every single night, you just kept talking about life philosophy. And then sister and I were just like, oh my God, it's so annoying. We kept rolling our eyes. But I was like, you don't understand that. But now as an adult, those philosophies stuck in my head. 
even though I didn't want to hear it, I heard it. And then it stuck with me until now. That's who I am is because of what you had said during those years. What did you say? I mean, a lot of things about like as a person and um, for him, especially it's about how to treat people uh, with integrity. You know, when you work, you need to be honest and um, hard work pays off. Don't be too conceited. Don't be too prideful. Just, you know, be a good person. All his philosophies about how to be a good person, how to lead, how to show show people or change people's lives by doing it yourself. Those are the things that he he had shown me since I was very little. This is what my dad has been teaching me. What do you mind me asking? What type of business uh, they were in? Uh, sure. When I was little, my parents they were in the import and export business, so they also worked from home. I remember those nights I would wake up and I just hear my parents like packing stuff in the in the other bedroom, like with boxes, and they would pack stuff themselves and just hear the the machine go, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, they're working again. And then so many times I would wake up in the middle of the night and just see them working. But again, and I see my mom every single night should be the one cooking. That's what I do too now. Like I, okay, I work all day and then I would cook. Oh, and afterwards, um, we actually went through a pretty tough time. My parents went out of business basically. And they also had done some bad business decision by lending money to other people. And then they pretty much took all that money away. So we, our whole family kind of went through this financial turmoil and my dad had to um, go to Indonesia. This is where they were. They were from, they were born and they, he went back there, tried to find jobs. Um, and he even became a fisherman at one point, literally go on to boat and to fish and then try to do that as an import-export business. And then my mom went and then did uh, other really low-level type of work in Indonesia while my dad worked in Hong Kong. It was a lot of like crazy stuff at, at the time. And then eventually they decided that both of them are going to go back to Indonesia and start a restaurant. And then um, my sister and I were kind of left alone in Hong Kong. And I was 15, 16 years old. And my sister, um, she's a little bit older. She was in college at the time. On her third year of college, she also went to Indonesia and and left me alone in Hong Kong. (laughs) And um, yeah, and so I was like, oh my gosh, I have, at the time my friends all went somewhere and went to America, England or Canada for school. And um, my sister, my parents, nobody's in Hong Kong anymore with me. So I just quit school and I told my parents, I'm coming with you guys. (laughs) So I left and went to Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And so I was there, I didn't go to school. So I would help them out kind of just sit at the cashier, wash the restaurant, and then we would try to make as much money as possible so we would work 24 hours a day. And then I told them that I really want to go to America for school. They were just like, what? We have no money. How are you going to go? I was like, I don't care. I'm going to figure this out. And, How did you and, figure it out? <laughs> you know, that's what I guess that's in me. I'm just kind of like, you know, you cannot prepare this. You just got to go. If you want something, just do it. Just go for it. So did you get yeah. a scholarship or? No, honestly, if we think back, even I talked talk about this with my mom all the time. We're like, how did we do this? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I came here. I was like trying to do, you know, work here and there, try to make some money tutored kids. I, I work at restaurants and, you know, to make money. Um, I, uh, my parents at the time, we even went through the worst economic crisis, um, for Asia. And then my mom even said, Hey, if you come back, I'll buy you a Jeep. I'll buy you a car. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, you don't have to, it's okay. You don't have to go to college. That's what my parents would tell me. It's okay. You don't have to go to college. And I'm like, no, I have to go. And I was like, I'll figure it out. And I know I just worked. I just kind of try to make money everywhere, you know, try to work anywhere I could find work um, and bus tables and stuff like that. Wow. Um, And my mom, she would send me money, whatever she could make, she would send it over for me. Wow. Yeah.
I'm so glad you share that story. It's very, uh, <laughs> it, it's very engaging because it's something that I'm sure many people can relate to because my relatives, you know, when they came out to the U.S., they literally had something like maybe two to three hundred U.S. dollars in their po- pocket and their mm-hmm. English was probably broken and with no other in, the, in college. And you know that many jobs that they don't qualify for, they cannot apply to and such. You know, when I saw your picture and I uh, I realized you're from Hong Kong, I had assumed that you came from money, not not in a negative <laughs> way. Um, I didn't realize you have to really persevere and really fight for a lot of things uh, that you own and today and that's yeah uh, that's that's courage yeah and actually and that's I just had this conversation with my husband and I was like hey you know how do we make sure that our kids not going to be spoiled you know now I mean not that you know we're super wealthy but we're okay right we're good Um, we have a nice house and our children get to have so many toys all the time but this is the problem of this generation of children it's like they have that sense of like you know, I don't need to work hard and I can have all this stuff. And then he was like, well, I guess they will have to go through, you know, like have no, have nothing in order to understand the value of money. And I was like, but how do we make sure that our children is not going to feel like they have this sense of entitlement? They should have gotten it without working hard. I think, you know, I actually start thinking about these things as well, because I know that when my children will be born, be very different than when I grew up. And I thought about stories and lessons I learned from my other podcast guests, such as uh, this gentleman, Mick Ebling, who came from a very comfortable family. But one story that he told me resonated uh, for a very long time, that his father would take all the boys to the beach or to go hiking. And then at the end of the trip, his dad will say, if you see um, garbage anywhere, you should pick it up because imagine if everybody leave the place better than when they found it, then the world will be a better place. So I think setting an example is very mm-hmm. important that this type of job isn't just for the the cleaning, the cleaners, and it's for everybody to protect. And I also think that I'm really respectful of uh, a few friends that I know, you know, two of them are married and they're both doctors. And when their two sons reached the age of 16, they didn't just go say, hey, here's forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, pick any car you want. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, they, they got uh, secondhand cars and they were left over from grandparents and the kids really appreciated and they thanked their parents. And I'm thinking, I have not seen that from you know, some of my own family members for quite some time. And the kids are very demanding of what they want. Definitely brand new cars, brand names. Yes. Yes. Oh, I remember when I was in college, one of my exes, and and then I just remember he would cry to his dad. It's like, I want this car. It's a brand name car. And and I looked at him. I I said, are you kidding me? You're crying over a car that you didn't work for? I mean, I I was like, I have no money. I don't even, I didn't even have a car. And you're crying over because you didn't get that brand? I was like, oh my God. I just could not believe it. I'm not going to marry you. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was like. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, this is so fun, Helen. I really <laughs> appreciate you being so honest and sharing your stories. And <sighs> and I feel yeah. better thinking about motherhood and, you know, sort of the into the world of the unknown. Um, so yes. thank you for that. No, thank you so much. I'm so glad I get to, you know, kind of share some of these stories. I always tell my friends um, who are about to give birth or who just had young children, I tell them, you know, things may not be as beautiful as they you as they have imagined initially but it is the best thing ever because the children you you have a, a different goal for your life you probably work harder than before because now you're trying to set that example for your kids and everything is because of them now yeah It is beautiful to hear you say that. And I'm sure many of the desires and goals kind of extend beyond that. And I'm sure you've led a a really good example and you try to be there for them. And definitely as they get older, they will certainly appreciate that at some point, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, I just have to wait 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth it, like you said. 
definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun, Helen. Really appreciate it. And maybe being a broker, being a you know maybe a real estate agent, can be good careers for moms. I don't mm-hmm. know. No, yes, I, I absolutely think so. You can set your schedule, but at the same time, I always tell people who try to start this business is that it's not easy, as easy as they, if they're that easy, then it won't be just 3% of the real estate agents can make it and make it as a full-time career. And very small percentage of people can make this as a um, full-time career, but it's very rewarding if you do make the effort. Nice. I hope you've written something about how to be a successful real estate, uh, it, be successful in real estate, because I know uh, that many people struggle and clearly very small percentage of people can turn into a full-time job. So what is the key ingredients? I hope you can supply me with some information. Um, I honestly think um, to be successful in real estate is really your persistence and your discipline. Without the persistence, really in anything, you cannot be successful. There are so many times when I first started in this business, people tell me to, like, why don't you just find a full-time job, you know, and you get turned down all the time because you don't have experience. Your friends may not trust you because you don't have experience yet. And I just used to roll up and cry in the room. Why won't they come with me? You know, why won't they use me? But you cannot give up. The experience is like you have to build with time, you know, and a real estate industry doesn't get a lot of respect from people because the license is too easy to get. And I always tell people it's not about the license, it's about the experience and also the post-licensing education. I love that. Maybe we need to do like a little, I'll think about some of the questions. It's interesting to learn, have a separate episode to focus on how to be successful in this field. It's really, it's really interesting because some of that may be counterintuitive. Some of that may be, you know, just like being a mom, the things that you need to know if you want to get into this field. It's not as you know, rainbows and unicorns as you think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I, uh, yeah, exactly. I, like I said, people always think that, oh, I, I joked around earlier with you, but it's true. People really say like, oh, so what do you do as a real estate agent? All they do is just showing homes anyways. I'm just like, no, oh my gosh, how I blame it on the industry for not educating our consumer enough what real estate agent do really we need to educate consumers what exactly our responsibilities are this is very very meaningful because i mean even like you said most people might not be in real estate but you know buying houses and whether that's uh commercial or non-commercial these are the things that you really should know but thank you so much i've, I've run over your time yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i had so much fun thank you so much for this opportunity i loved it <laughs> oh thank you helen i please i when i'm in uh, california next time when you come to boston i mean it please uh make sure to drop by even in New York, which uh, we travel to very often. So yeah, absolutely. That would be great. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too, Helen. Take care. Okay, you too. To listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at FaceWorld. Until next time, thanks for listening.